Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph awoke from sleep and did, and he did what the angel of the Lord told him. And he took his wife and did not have any marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, who he named Jesus. So 2,000 years ago, God gave a gift to Mary and Joseph in the form of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God gave a gift to the world in the form of Jesus. And because of that, we get the privilege of understanding who God is through the lens of Jesus. Jesus is God unwrapped for us. He gives us clarity on how God thinks and acts and lives and answers all the questions that we'd want to have about who is God. But Jesus comes as a gift to us. Just like any other gift that we would experience Jesus comes as a gift that God gives to us. But the question for us, and what I want to reflect on for just a few moments this morning, is how do we respond to the gift of God and Jesus? So in order for us to kind of get our, our minds around that, I want you just to think about how do you approach a gift that's given to you? So in a couple days, you're going to be gathered around with friends and family, and you're going to be opening gifts. And if your experience is similar to mine, there's certain years where you get exactly what you wanted and you hoped for, and there's other years not quite, right? You remember the moment where you're opening a gift, hoping it's what you hope it is, but it's not. But you're sitting in a room full of people who expect some kind of response. So your face says, I love it, but inside, what are you saying? I absolutely hate it. Anybody relate to that? (laughs) Or maybe it is the gift that you've longed for. It's the one that you'd hope for. And so you open it, and because it's what you wanted and what you hoped for, there's this spontaneous excitement and energy and joy. Hopefully that's more of our Christmas experience than the other. What is that? There is this anticipation that when we open a gift, that we want it to meet or exceed the expectation we have of what the gift is. Now, for many of us, our understanding of God is somehow God has not met our expectation. And the reason is because we haven't fully understood who Jesus is, because Jesus will always exceed our expectation when he's revealed in our life. And so this morning, I want to talk about that, but again, to kind of anticipate what is it like when we receive the gift that we're expecting. I want you for a moment just to take yourself back to your childhood. Some of you, you're in your childhood, so that's okay. But go back to your childhood into that moment. It may be one moment, or maybe it's a couple, where you got the gift that you had longed for, that you got the gift that you'd hoped for. It's what you pestered your parents about. It's what you wrote Santa Claus for, all that thing. And then it actually was the gift that you wanted. Anybody have that memory? Okay, four of you. Okay, I'll pray for you. So I'll tell you here, you can just borrow my moment, okay? My moment came 
on a Christmas morning when I had really wanted a gift that I, I didn't think my parents would get because it was more money than they normally would spend on gifts for, for us at Christmas. They were pretty frugal. But I had pestered and I'd asked. In fact, I remember even going into like the Sears catalog. Yes, I am dating myself. That's a big paper book they used to put out. And circling like, this is the one I want in case you were wondering. And then Christmas morning came and I opened it. It was Coleco Electronic Quarterback. Okay, now all of those millennials in the room, like, you are way old, dude. Because this is like pre-Wii, uh, there was no PS anything, there was no nothing like that, okay? So there was no Xbox, but this was the game to have because the other version of the game, you could only run. But in this version of the game, you could pass and kick and run. And so when I got this, I'm telling you, when I opened this gift, I could have died happy right on the spot because I had got what I wanted. Anybody ever relate to that? It's like that one moment. Do you realize that's supposed to be the experience we have with God? When we actually get to know Jesus and God reveals himself fully in who Jesus is, there's supposed to be that level of anticipation that goes beyond what we expect because we actually realize we've got the God of the universe. So with that mindset this morning, I want us to, to again, reflect on the story that, that Lexi just read from Matthew chapter 1. Joseph and Mary were given this gift, but Joseph's experience initially, it reflects our experience with God in a nutshell. So if you look at Joseph and how he experienced what God was doing, the first thing, that the, the first reality of what, what Joseph experienced is exactly how we respond is when he started to realize or feel that God may be at work or that God was showing him that this is what he was going to do, his first default reaction was what? To reject the gift. Because he didn't understand what God was doing. It didn't make sense to him. Wait a second. I don't understand how this is working. In fact, what was his response? His response was, I don't want to go down this road because this is going to look bad. So I'm going to secretly divorce Mary. We're not going to go through with actually being married so I can let her maintain a reputation. I can maintain my reputation, maintain it, and then we can somehow part ways and nobody will know any different. So his default, because he's confused, it doesn't look like the way he thinks God should work, he rejects the gift of God in Jesus, which is exactly what we do. When our first inclination towards God is, I don't understand, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't work the way I think God should work. So when God begins to work on our life, our first default is what? To reject it, to push back on it, because we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And so we, we kind of take care of, of what we think is going to be something that won't turn out to be the gift that we think it is. So we just say, okay, I'm going to reject that. But here's the danger in rejecting what God's doing. You'll never know who he is. You'll never experience the fullness of what your life's supposed to be about if you are the one that initially rejects. What if your default changed from rejection to acceptance? So back in the 1980s, there was a movie that was being formed and being put together. And the producers approached a couple of different companies. The initial one they approached was the Mars Company, which is the maker of M&Ms and all kinds of great candy that we're all eating at Christmas time. And they approached them and they said, listen, this is the concept of our movie and we would like your product to be in our movie. So they said, this movie is about an alien from outer space, an extraterrestrial, and the movie's called E.T. And they explained the concept to Mars and they said, this is how we would like your product to be prominently produced or shown in our movie is that it will be the bait used by Elliot to coax E.T. out of the forest into Elliot's house. And they presented this to Mars and Mars said this, I don't think that's going to work. 
we don't necessarily want our product associated with this movie. Now, this is who they're talking to. They were talking to Steven Spielberg. And they said, it just doesn't work for our product. It doesn't work with our brand. So Steven Spielberg and producers, they went and said, okay, let's go to Hershey's. And they sat down with Hershey's and said, listen, we would like your Reese's Pieces in our movie. And they, they explained the same thing again. And they said, this is what we would like you to do. And they said, absolutely, we're in. Now, if any of you haven't seen E.T. yet, you haven't lived, obviously, so you need to go see that movie. But they, there's estimates that within the first few weeks of E.T. coming out, Reese's Pieces tripled in sales, while M&M's was flat or declined. So who got it and who missed it? Mars didn't get it. Why? Because their default was, ah, this is not going to be a good idea. This doesn't make sense to us. But what did Hershey's do? They said, yeah, we could see this. There's a possibility. So they took a risk, and their risk paid off. What if you're here this morning, and the reason that you're here, even though you think you got dragged here because a family member pulled you here because you're just doing it out of obligation, but maybe it's because God is at work in your life, and he wants to change your default. He wants you to actually know he's at work in your life right now, and he's wanting you to respond. But just like Joseph responds, we, we also, this, this kind of journey progresses along because what, what I love about God is even when we reject him, he doesn't give up. He doesn't say, oh, well, you, I've tried. I guess I'm done with you. No, he just keeps coming and keeps pursuing. And so Joseph's initial re rejection is followed by a dream. So he goes to sleep, and so I, I, I think God knows what he's doing. He gets past Joseph's subconscious and goes right to the dream state, sends an angel into his dream and says, oh, by the way, this is God. What is happening is that Mary's going to be not, she is not going to be, become pregnant by a human being, but she's going to be, be impregnated through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is going to result in the, Jesus coming into the world, which his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so God goes right past this, and so what does God do? God reveals more to Joseph. He takes Joseph's rejection, and he goes, okay, I'm going to show you another layer of what's going on. I'm going to reveal to you what's actually happening here, so you'll get this, and you'll understand that. And all of us, I know I'm true, this is true of me, we need a deeper revelation of who God is. But the problem is, we don't give him the time, or the energy, or the relational space to do it. We reject him initially, and we try to keep him a distance, but God will keep coming until eventually you realize there's more to the story than what you thought there was initially. It always works that way. There's more of who God is that you've yet to discover because you've initially rejected him, but he's going to keep coming after you. He's going to keep pursuing you, and eventually you're going to realize there's more to God than you think there is. So I'll never forget the first time I ever saw my wife, Kim. I will never forget that. I was sitting in my, one of my freshman classes, and across the other side of the room, I saw this beautiful woman, and there's the first two thoughts in my mind. She's gorgeous, and she's out of my league. I was convinced. I'm like, that's nice. Push that away. Forget that. That's never happening. Second semester, we just happened to be in another class together, but she was, happened to sit right next to me. And I remember turning and getting to know her a little bit, and I turned, and I saw her face close up, and I thought, whoa, she's really beautiful. And then the second thought, still out of my league, even more so now in close up. But as we started to get to know each other over time, we're sitting in class together, I started, we actually started a really great friendship. And that friendship led to, I obviously thought, man, she's amazing, and she's, she's, she's not only smart and beautiful, but she's really fun. She's really a strong person, a strong personality. And so I asked her out on our first date. And on our first date, this is what was crazy. Uh, both of us had been on a few first dates in our life, and a few first dates that you wish you could forget. Anybody relate to that? And so when we were sitting down in the restaurant, we were having a conversation with each other. I'm, I kid you not, I'm sitting at the table. In my mind, I'm thinking, somebody fed her the right answers. 
Somebody has given her the checklist that I have for what I would look, like, look for in a wife eventually, and she's nailing every single one of them. Now, come to find out a little bit later, Kim would tell me on this side of the table, she was thinking the same thing. At least that's what she told me. I hope that's what was really happening. <laughs> but then we, we, went, we began a dating relationship, and then a few years went by, we got engaged, and then we got married. And 27 years later, I'm still learning more about who she is about the strength of her personality, about the way God has gifted her. And the more that I get to know her, the more that I realize every single day of the life there's more to the story of Kim. And I give her time and space in my life so I know more of who she is. I will never stop until the day I die knowing more about her. The same thing is true about the God of the universe. The reason that many of us never experience who he is is because you haven't given him the time. You haven't let him reveal himself fully to you because you've been so quick to reject him, you haven't realized, and that was what Joseph was doing. I gotta put Mary away, I gotta put this away, but God kept coming after him and said, let me show you another dimension of who I am. And God revealed deeper to Joseph what God was doing because that leads to the third and the most important part of Joseph's journey, and it is for us because if Joseph rejects what's going on and then everything starts to fall apart at that point, but he doesn't, so he so what happens is when Joseph awakes from his dream, what does it say in the passage? It actually says that Joseph did exactly what the angel told him to do, which means Joseph was ready to receive the gift of God in Jesus. He was ready to do exactly what God wanted him to do because he had gotten past his rejection. He had seen God reveal more that this was God at work. This wasn't confusion or the wrong thing. This was actually God at work. And so now he opens his life to receive what God is doing in him. And this is important for us because this is where God always wants to get to in our lives. He's wanting to reveal himself so that we'll receive him, that we'll open our lives to him, that we'll welcome him into our lives and experience what life is supposed to be about. But just like we don't give him the time to reveal himself, many times we're not prepared to receive what he wants to do in our life. We're too busy. We're not focused. We don't think it's God. But what if you actually were ready to receive God into your life? What if you were ready to actually embrace Jesus, which is, by the way, the very reason you were placed on this planet was to be connected directly to God, but our sin and failure and brokenness in the world has disconnected us from God, but Jesus has come through his life and his death and his resurrection. He's paid the price for our sin so we could be connected to God again. So the question is, are you prepared for, for God to show up in your life? See, we, we understand preparation. Christmas is coming two days from now, and some of you are already stressed out because you're like, I have all these things to get done. I have this cooking to do, and I have to clean the house and everything. Well, our da daughter, Courtney, has been up at school in Oregon, and she came home for, for the Christmas break, and we're excited. And she came in on Monday, this last Monday, and just think about the weekend before someone comes to your house that you love and you haven't seen in a while and you're ready for them, do you sit around and just act like it's any other weekend? No, you're preparing. So we're cleaning the house. We're getting her room ready. I'm looking at my schedule. I'm clearing time, taking some vacation time on Monday so we can go to the airport and pick her up. I'm looking at the three-week period that she's here and saying, how do I rearrange my schedule so I can make sure that I can be, spend time with Courtney? So when Courtney's here, everything changes. Why? Because I'm preparing to be with her and spend time with her. It isn't just any other day or any other season. It's a time where I'm preparing because somebody's coming that I love and I want to receive. Same thing is true about God. We miss God because we're not prepared. We're not ready for him. We're not paying attention to what he wants to do. And for us this morning, I want us to understand this because, hey, I, I've been at this thing a long time. I know the way Christmas works. Some of you are here because you, you're here because you love your family, but you're doing it for them, but you really would rather be home watching football or getting ready to eat. I hear you. I'm there. But you're here not by accident. 
It isn't because you got pestered or cornered into coming today. You're here because the way God works is he works through intersections in our life. And this is something I've seen, experienced in my life and in the lives of other, other people. I have seen the way God takes the intersections of our life and he encounters us at those moments to get our attention. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, when he's speaking to a group of people who really don't know who God is yet, he says this, this, this important information. He said, listen, God chooses the times and the places where people should live. That means if you live in Simi Valley or Moore Park or maybe you're here out of state, the reason you live where you live is not because you chose it. It's because God orchestrated for you to be there. And he chooses the places you live, and he also chooses the times and seasons that you'll be present when you're living. And Paul goes on to say the reason he does that, one reason, is that you would reach out and you would find God because God is not far from any of us. And I'm convinced because I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in the lives of other people, nothing happens by accident. God is at work. And remember I mentioned earlier that even though you reject God, he'll keep pursuing you. He will show up at every intersection of your life. But how do you approach an intersection? Well, when you come to an intersection and there's a, a, a signal, a stoplight, and it's red, what are you supposed to do? Stop, right? In California, that's sometimes optional, right? Other states are a little bit more obedient. But when you come to an intersection and it's red, you're supposed to stop. We know that obviously green means go and, and yellow means accelerate. We know that's the way that those work. But when you come to a light, you stop, right? Now, you can blow through that red light, and you could do that, and you might be able to get away with it once or twice. If you keep doing that time after time, best case scenario, you're going to get pulled over and get a ticket. Worst case scenario, you're going to get in an accident, and bad things are going to happen. But what if you didn't realize that at every intersection you come to, there's somebody there trying to get your attention? And the intersections of our life look like tragedy. They look like stress. They look like joy. They look like moments in our life that we might just pass by because we have to get through them, not realizing that God of the universe is standing at the intersection trying to get our attention. But are we paying attention to him? He's saying, listen, I'm present. I'm here because I'm positioned this moment in time for you to see me and know me and experience who I am. I've mentioned this before for our, for our church, but uh, he's not working anymore. In fact, I, my, my one regret is I never pulled over and actually met him. Got his name. But for years, we had the best sign waiver in Simi Valley who worked for Domino's Pizza. And he planted himself at first in L.A. every single day. And he was the best in our city. Not because he danced, not because he spun his Domino sign, nothing flashy. What he would do is he'd stand on the corner. And when the light would turn green, he would look into every car to see if he could make eye, con eye contact. And he would wave. And I realized if you waved at him, he would wave back at you. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been at that corner and he was standing in there, when you drive, I mean, my whole focus was, okay, when the light turns green, I'm keeping my focus on front of me, but I'm looking over here because I want him to see me, and I'd wave, and he'd wave me. And if I had the worst day of my life, if the Domino's guy smiled and waved at me, I was a new man, right? Because he got my attention. Tragedy is, I don't know how well he did for business. His, he was there to get people to go to Domino's. Maybe he didn't do such a good job as far, as far as they were concerned because he's not there anymore. But you know what? There's somebody more important that stands at every corner of your life. It's the God of the universe. It's Jesus Christ himself working through the circumstances of your life. And he's standing on the side of the road and he's waving at you and he's trying to make eye contact with you. But you're blown through the red light because you think you know what you're doing, not realizing that God's trying to get your attention. I said earlier, 
2,000 years ago, God gave a gift to Mary and Joseph in the form of Jesus. Today, we still feel the ramifications that God wasn't just giving a baby to Mary and Joseph. God was giving his son to the world. And you're here today to hear that reality. And here's the beauty of that. That Jesus willingly said, I will become human. I will go into the world. The creator of the universe steps into creation, takes on what it means to be human because he loves people so desperately and so passionately that he's willing to suffer like you and I suffer, to know what it is to be human, but to live in a perfect fashion so that he can deal with the issue that we can't deal with, our sin that leads to our death. And what is death? It isn't just the end of life. Death is the separation from the God of the universe who created you for meaning and purpose. And if you haven't met him yet, you, what you've lived in your life, although it may be good, it's lacked the meaning and purpose to make sense of why you exist. But if you're here this morning and, and your desire is, you know, I think that maybe I do see Jesus at the intersection. I do see God working. There's something going on. And I'll tell you, it is not because of my words or somehow I have an airtight argument that God exists. There's something more powerful than that. It is God's spirit who now comes and is present here and is at work in our lives right now. And you may be feeling that and you can argue all you want with it. But guess what? He's gonna keep pursuing you. So here, I have a, have a, a suggestion for you today. Don't blow through the intersection. Don't lose sight of God. Know that Jesus is here for you today so that you can embrace him. I'm gonna pray in a moment. I'm gonna ask that God would do his work, that he would bring his son into our lives in a way that would transform us. But are you ready to surrender your life? Are you ready to give up your hopes, your dreams, your sin? Because Jesus will take your sin and then he'll give you what God calls righteousness, which makes you connected again to God. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you to pray. If you've never done that and your desire is to say, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus so that he can come live in my life so I don't blow by those intersections anymore and I can experience the fullness of life, then I'm going to ask you just to pray. And you just tell them, Jesus, I am giving my life to you today because I hear your voice and I know that you're speaking to me. Let's pray. Jesus, we know that even though today is 2,000 years removed from you coming into the world, we know that you have orchestrated those events all those years ago and the events that are happening today because you work through every moment of our life so that we might know you. So Lord, right now, as you are present through your Holy Spirit who lives in the world among us and in us today, that Lord, if we are feeling the stirring of your work in us, that we would not reject, but we would allow you to reveal yourself to us. And Jesus, right now, I pray that you would reveal who you are to us in such a way that our hearts would be wide open to receive who you are. Lord, not just rearranging our lives for a few days or a few weeks as a family member comes into town, but Lord, reorchestrating our lives to follow you, to surrender to you. And in that, Lord, that you would come now and you would bring clarity to our confusion. You would bring light to our darkness. Lord, you would bring your peace and your joy and your hope and your grace to bear on our lives today as we surrender ourselves to you. We thank you that you are faithful and that you are present to work in our lives today. And so we choose to receive you. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Santa 
Well, you should have received a candle on your way in this morning. If you have that, you can pull it out. If you don't have one, the ushers can hand you one. You know, as uh, in just a few moments, we're going to light those candles. But you know, lighting the candles is not just a Christmas tradition. It actually has profound significance in the imagery that it represents. The prophet Isaiah in 
Isaiah chapter 9 speaks of Jesus, the coming king, and he says this. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, this morning as we light candles, we welcome the light of Christ, the light of that wonderful counselor, the mighty king into our lives. And as we unwrap the gift of that light in our lives, it cuts through the darkness of our pain and our own ugliness so that we can experience the transformation that he has for us at that intersection that John talked about. So in just a few moments, we're going to light these candles. You're going to receive light, and then you're going to turn, and you're going to pass that to the person next to you. Because the thing about God's light is that it's not just meant for us. It's meant to be shared with the world. And so when we join God in his journey of, of expanding his kingdom, we get to see the light spread. And we're going to see that as the light fills this room. So in just a moment, we will light the candles. And then we're going to sing Silent Night as we light the candles. And then at, one, at a certain point, I'll have us all stand so that we can show our light and fill this room with the light of Christ and declare that he has brought transformation in our lives. So let's do that this morning. Let's sing. i 
Let's go ahead and stand together. Just take a look around the room. God's light. Emmanuel, God with us, came to be here among us to bring his light to be unwrapped and to bring transformation. Let's sing Silent Night once again. Jesus, we thank you for coming to be among us, to show us the way, to show us your light. And Lord God, as we move through this Christmas season, Lord, I pray that this year would be marked as a different year, a year that we welcome your light into all that we do and into our lives to bring transformation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.